Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the American Horror Story podcast brought to you by BaldMove.com, where the officially unofficial podcast for FX's American Horror Story Freak Show Season 4. Tonight we're talking Episode 409, Bloodbath. I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And what'd you think of this episode? I, what'd you think? I, what, what, what'd no, you No, just think? say it, say it. No, it's just, obviously you're just brimming with things to say. I was, say it. I was, I was making a parody of myself cutting people off because I tend to do that. But I yield the floor to you. I've already yielded. I yield, sir. I, what, is this turning into that, like, uh, gopher? I, th- gopher I was laughing WB? throughout this entire episode. Really? Yeah, yeah, everyone was, their acting was just laughably bad. Like, I know they were kind of doing it on purpose, but just none of that, nothing stuck with me. I thought it was funny the first time through. I still think there's parts of it that are funny the second time through, but I didn't think much of it the first time. And now that I've seen it a second time, I feel like I like this episode more. It wasn't as terrible right. as far as what it's doing and what it tried to do as I thought from the beginning. So, yeah, that's my review. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done here. This one was written by <laughs> Ryan Murphy. That's who, the problem right there. Yeah. And it was directed by Bradley Bucker, who, uh, you know, does everything with Ryan Murphy. So it's a dream team. Ba-boom. To make you scream. Ba-boom. Um, wow, that surprises me to find out that it's the heavy hitters. And really? I this episode, I still don't think it's a great episode. It's just, oh, it's just all right. I thought the scene between Ethel and, and Elsa was pretty powerful. That was a great scene, and the dandy got a little bit of his creepy back. Yeah, he did. It, uh, this is the episode where uh, Dandy did two things for me. One, he ruined Christmas. He sure did. <laughs> and uh, two, he started to get intimidating. And he brought the sexy back with his sexy back. Is that sexy for you? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not attracted to a man's hiney, but it seemed like it was an acceptable shape and, and you know, creaminess. Yeah. It wasn't all pimply. I no really hair. hate it's it when just... you use the word creamy. <laughs> There's just something about it. <laughs> it's just like, you know, two eggs and a hanky. What what more do you want? You didn't all think right. he had a nice ass? No, he saying? has a nice ass. Okay, there you go. There you go. That's all I wanted you to say. <laughs> now we're going to have to split our separate ways since you've got a TV boyfriend and I'm driven crazy with jealousy. No, I've got way better. Got, I've got a podcast you're come, boyfriend. You're going to come home tomorrow and the Christmas tree is going to be blood red. And I'm going to be building a putting green in the living room <laughs> for my croquet set. Perfect. I think that's what our relationship is missing. <laughs> blood red Christmas trees. No, croquet set. Let's jump right in here because Mommy Dandy, she's on the couch. Chain smoking like a fiend. Like a fiend. Uh, she is talking about uh, Dandy's childhood and saying she's she's having these recollections as she's talking about what an off child he was of him tying up uh, Sid, Sidibe or Sibide. 
Sidibe, I think. And uh, he tied her up and cut her hair off. He killed a cat. He's just never learned how to play. He's never socialized, except for that one gardener's child, Hamil. <laughs> I thought they just got along fast friends, and then one day the boy vanished. Uh, she lets him play with another smaller, weaker human being, and that's when she lets her guard down? Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's befriended the fragile four-year-old. What could ever happen? Yeah, he'll never hurt it's him. It's not like there's a progression here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, he's like, uh, the doctor is like writing down on his tablet. I, I made detailed notes. Uh, what the fuck? Holy shit, call the police. Uh, you know, hold this woman for questioning. <laughs> Send SWAT team. Please, he, God, help me. Please, yeah. But what he says is, hey, I'll clear my schedule. This man needs psychotherapy. Yeah. And he goes, by the way, uh, aside from all the shocking crimes you just confessed on behalf of your son, has there anything been more recent? <laughs> Something within the statute of limitations on capital cases in the great state of Florida. And she says, oh, no, it's just the mother's intuition. And then we roll credits. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's interesting the, the toll that Dandy's taking on Gloria. <laughs> I, I got to say, I thought this was circumstantial evidence. I mean, number one, Gardner's boy could have run away, you know. Oh, are you speaking on behalf of the Dandy now? Uh, number two... I thought the haircut she gave, he gave uh, Regina was cute. And three... Yeah, it's very hip, the asymmetrical thing right now. Sure. So he was way ahead of his time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And three, I just don't see it as a crime to kill a cat. I mean, I've come goddamn close in just the one year I've had one. I've threatened to kill mine every single day. That's just how you get through it. You can't fault a person for wanting to kill a cat. If, if you're going to shack up with a homicidal killer like a cat... Sometimes, you know, it's it's either them or you. Yeah. So and I, most I just... oftentimes it's you. So win one for the humans. <laughs> exactly. So I just I just think that uh I, I I'm just not buying the insanity in this particular case. Yeah. Anyway, uh we go back from credits and the search for Ma Petite is in full swing. And look at Dell being a shit bag leading the way with his little lantern and his pork pie hat. Jesus. Apparently the freaks have a pack of bloodhounds now. The they got a, a kennel uh that would put the Starks of Winterfell to shame. Well to be fair. They're braying on the moors of, of Florida. To be fair, all the bloodhounds are freaks. Like they've got missing ears <laughs> and they've got like three legs. Three legs, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Just like all the other side freaks we never get to see. This is their turn to shine. Uh, they, they, they get the dog barkers that just actually bark. And they're like, Ruff, look at this bitch with 16 teats. <laughs> that was a terrible dog. And they're kept in the kennels most of the time because they always steal the spotlight from Elsa. They're just too cute. Yeah. Man, I I regret going for that dog voice. The Scooby-Doo dog voice? Yeah. No. Because you, you can only do that rut row, rut, you know, and there's no way you can say uh, teats and stuff when you're using that you, you need you need better writing if you're going to do the scooby-doo yeah not try didn't write any of that not try it in like a blend of english and scottish <laughs> oh no let's continue Darn um it. jimmy screams and they bring in a little bloody box with a little with a little bloody purple dress and like elsa it. sees it and is just destroyed she just loses her shit and it's a very believable meltdown like this is the one emotional scene where i'm like yeah i'm i'm buying this sure and i mean i think she her performance is very it's uh, very rich, layered rich lady that ruined her prada purse uh because i think she saw ma petite as uh, it's just un as a commodity i mean she's saying I, in in everything that she's saying this woman's praises 
and 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 true. They've they portrayed Mopatita as kind of a childlike character. Yeah, but she's not really a person. She's like an angel and a, the embodiment of innocence and so childlike. It's just so patronizing. Oh, it is. I think Elsa treated her more like a a hot water bottle. Well, like a niece, a niece or a granddaughter or a baby doll, uh-huh. something that you could dress up and play with, but you didn't really have any responsibility over. It's just something. It was your favorite toy, and she lost her favorite toy. Yeah, and she's she's quite quite distraught. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who doesn't buy this performance, which I don't believe is a performance. I don't think that Ethel took a second to mourn Ma Petit before she went straight to blaming Elsa. Mm. Like, how do you have the right to be so? self-righteous yeah. it doesn't seem like you really care that much about the murder but I, yeah i don't know because i guess her thing is she's been dead inside since, since she found out that the, she wanted to murder the twins and now that she killed ma Petit, she's gone into this but if just you, cold killer detachment if you listen to that conversation that elsa had with her agent when we discussed this on the last podcast sure. it is circumstantial you, yeah yeah i i don't think that there's a jury in the world that would convict her on that well, have especially you been listening a one. Wa- have you been listening to the serial podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a, I mean, especially a woman like Ethel who's been so committed that's to Elsa thing. for so long that I, I mean, if you know someone for that long, you're the first one to excuse it away. And yeah, like and that's, she, it's not like people have been coming to her and saying, "Well, I believe Elsa did this, or I believe Elsa did that." Nobody told her that. And Jimmy just accused her of doing these terrible things, and then the twins came back, and everything was cool. Yeah. So, but I mean, there's been a lot of disquieting things happening around Elsa and around the camp. So I can see, I kind of, I don't know whether to buy it or not, but I will say this, Kathy Bates sells the hell out of it. Oh yeah. And her and uh, Jessica Lang just go head to head on here. And it's, they work very well together. They trade haymakers, basically. <laughs> they just trade emotional haymakers. Yeah. Like, uh, how dare you cook me how dare you bring me this fake turtle soup and she throws it on the ground and she's I like want oh. real turtle soup <laughs> well it's quite the show you put on there and then she's like oh yeah i'm gonna slap you and call you whiskey deranged and you know then kathy's gonna say yeah we all came to suck on elsa's bo- bottom or bosom and i i kind of <laughs> lost the thread of that but the important thing was ma Petite had a little chariot with a little wooden horse that the pinhead would pull in pepper af- so cute after after uh one of uh, elsa's performance and it would bring the house down and apparently elsa has you know it's she's a victim of resting bitch face because kathy bates saw that <laughs> in her little flapper outfit and's like ooh. how long ago is that i don't know like <laughs> i feel like they're playing shows all the time that we just don't see it like, is i mean i i don't they're know they're always talking about their performance and practicing for their performance and even today, I felt like, or not today, this episode when Jimmy was like nursing his hangover and uh, Maggie came up and harangued him, there was like a crowd milling about. Like, I feel like that the grounds were open. Yeah, so and Maggie was clearly in whatever garb she read yeah. minds in. Uh, <laughs> reads minds in. Yeah, and she's dressed like a gypsy. So, uh, right? Yeah. But anyway, Elsa maintains her innocence and Kathy uh, Bates, or I'm sorry, Ethel says something curious that uh, she says, I'm going to go retrieve the twins and prove my innocence. And Kathy Bates says, no, you weren't. I made sure that there's some place that they will be safe. So the twins aren't around. Did we, did they air an episode last week and we just didn't see it? What happened? um, I'm pretty sure that Ethel hid the twins in the 
not on the floorboards because she doesn't have any. Ethel hid the twins somewhere safe, and she said, I'll come back for you, but guess who's not coming back? So Ethel, in, in theory, killed the twins herself. It's my headcanon. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Oh. Ethel sent the twins you off that, somewhere. and you, you think that she's going to find the twins, kill them, and pin it on Ethel, who's deranged and dead and suicidal? No, no. It was just a joke. I'm saying oh, that Ethel is the that's... only one who knows about the twins' whereabouts right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm surprised that not anybody else the entire episode wonders. I, I couldn't stop wondering. Yeah, like where the hell are they? We just accused, you know, we've been throwing around words like murder and kidnap and slavery around these guys. Now they're disappeared. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So much weird shit's happening in this, uh, this, uh, freak show. Everyone's we'll... killing everybody. It's that time of the season that uh, it's time to cut back on the old cast. It's the time <laughs> of the season for <laughs> murder. Uh, should... I thought she was going to zag, but I, I like the harmony. Yeah. The dandy murder. It's good. I, I like that I went bass and you went, you know, soprano. Well, I, I had to balance it out. Thank you. I had to go falsetto. Uh, so anyway, uh, she's, she's, Elsa goes to storm out because she's tired of this shit and, uh, Ethel says no and shoots her in the leg. Guess what? Her legs are wood. Joke's on you, bitch. (laughs) This triggers an extended flashback where she talks about the story of Massimo Dortocino or something (laughs) like that. Dolcifimo. And guess what? Played by the wonderful Danny Houston. Sure. Who I really enjoy. The axe murderer from last season. Fun fact. Yeah. Danny Houston and what's his name? His name Jack Houston. You know, shut up. Yeah, they're related. Richard fucking Harrow. Yeah, you want to know why? How? Because Danny Houston is Angelica Houston's brother. No. Yeah, and they have another brother, and that's Richard Houston's dad. Wow. I can't remember his name because yeah, he's don't. not in movies. Okay, I was gonna say, I don't. But know isn't that him. crazy? I put it all together. They're all that's related. A, that's a Hollywood ruling family. And how do we never know that before now? I don't know, but my mind is blown. It's yeah. gonna be hard to get back to my skit. And my Richard, script. yeah, Richard Houston and Danny Houston star in a movie together where they play father and son. And I was like, oh shit, are they father and son? Oh wow. Yeah. So. That's crazy. Um, but he is this Massimo, uh, and he apparently fitted in World War One. He had an ample supply of soldiers getting their legs blown off and his arms blown off. So he had this uh, really trim little business running, uh, outfitting them with prosthetics. And as we were treated to really gross pictures of uh, Elsa Stumps, they look like, you know, if you take yeah, a, our, a our, tube of ground hamburger and cut it in half, that's our what DVR it like. froze up a little bit. So we were forced to stare uh-huh. at her for even longer than it was on the screen. Yeah. And uh, she's like waking up and she's like, no, no, I'm hideous in, in German. I gave it a French accent for some reason. And he's oh, like, oh, good. no, that's the best can do. you will have legs and they will be beautiful. And we find out that he fell into hard times after World War One because all the bodies dried up before World War Two. <laughs> and <not> true. <laughs> he went to Germany. I guess he's an Italian. Why not? He uh, came to Germany to be a sculptor and a prop maker for the movies. And he did his uh, what do you call that? Your opus magnum. Uh, your great work. Yeah. Your masterpiece? Uh, his masterpiece, he crafted her legs out of hand-crafted uh, wood, hand-carved wood, and presented them to her. What would you think of her legs? I was really expecting to be, like, blown away. Her wooden legs? And they're just wooden legs. I think they're really nice-looking wooden legs. Really? For, like, a coffee table. <gasps> oh! oh! my God! I need to buy four wooden legs and make a coffee table. <laughs> done and done. That was quite the burn on her legs, though. Hey, you know what I just read? What? The oldest known prosthesis called the Capua leg mm-hmm. uh, 
began in Italy. These legs were made out of copper and wood, dating back to 300 BC. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm actually surprised it took him that long. Yeah. Because it feels like, you know, you get your you get your leg cut off and you don't bleed to death and die, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. It seems natural that you would uh, strap, a, strap a stick on there and walk around with it. <laughs> yeah, I like how they made him Italian and those kinds of things, you know, start well... The yeah, oldest known great, dated great, back great, to Italy. Great, 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 mini great granddaddy. Maybe. Uh, you know, we're not saying one way or another. We're just asking questions. Yeah. The issue should be raised. Who's the first person to carterize a wound? Carterize? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Jimmy Carter, I think. When he grew up on a peanut farm. Uh, and who agreed his, to that? His... Like, oh, I just got my leg cut off. Carterize it. Yeah. Put some fire against it and burn the flesh even more. I could take it. <laughs> well, if, if it's that or bleeding out, you know. But who figured that out? Hmm. Instead of like wrap it up with something, who figured out that you needed to burn it? I don't know. That's like the old question, like who looked at a cow's udder and said, I'm going to squeeze that and drink what comes out of it. Yeah. Like who's the first person that did that? You know what? We as humans uh, are just weird. Sure. We're so weird. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. That's like some other higher evolved species that comes after us. It uh-huh. starts milking us. How weird would that be? <laughs> You know what I mean? It'd be really weird in my case because they're not going to get. <laughs> no, I mean, you would just make a, a nice juicy steak. You're a man. Oh, okay. You're you're the steer here, okay. dear. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we I, need to move on. I was going to say I'm not letting this podcast turn into <laughs> the evolution of humanity's culinary habits, uh, even Woo. though we've already pretty much done that. Um. So anyway, she says, "Look, Ethel. Now I'm a freak, just like y'all." So can I get the freak discount on this guilt trip? (laughs) And Ethel says, no, the curtain comes down tonight. And then Elsa says, you think people are going to cover for you when you murder me? And she's like, nope, I want to save the last bullet for me head. For me horn head. And (laughs) I did a perfect Baltimore accent. Nice. Nicely done. And she's like, look, I've already thought this through. Uh, and I left a letter for Jimmy, and oh, by the way, I just shot a gun in this camp in the main tent in the middle, and no one gives a shit. <laughs> Did that not bother you while you're watching that? Yeah. She fired a gun and that... blew a hole in her leg, and no one came, like... <laughs> the gun scene made me forget, but, I mean, gunshots are okay, but when you hear the screaming, that's when you go running. The scream of a man being parboiled, that will bring a lone... Person, I, I just feel like this, this, yeah. this freaks. The freak show must be full of all kinds of screams and shrieks and crazy shit going on all night long, and people just keep to themselves. Yeah, not happening in my tent. <laughs> not happening in my tent. Eve's getting her ass beat. Nope, not in my tent. You know, man, man getting boiled in, in some kind of pitch. No, <laughs> gunshots. No, nah, not not in my business. Um, so it's <laughs> too many freaks dying around here to go investigating things by yourself. <laughs> I've seen this movie. I know how it ends. Uh, so then Elsa tries one last thing. Like, look, think of the children. If I die, this whole place goes up in smoke. And Ethel's all like, look, there are no innocents. It's all over. You just aren't aware of it yet. And then Elsa says, let's just have one drink then. Fine, you can kill one me. One more schnapps, which I think is actually a nice uh, send off for Beth of The Walking Dead this week. <laughs> oh, that's a nice that she had yeah. a drink in her honor. Some I'm peach sure it was schnapps. Peach. Yeah. Uh, so she goes, pours one out, and then whirls around and uses her ace knife throwing skills to peg old Ethel right in the eyeball, killing her dead. Yikes! She's a good knife thrower, though. Do you think? Okay, so throughout this entire exchange, she's accusing Ethel of being mad and and crazy and drunk. Well, she was drunk, but 
She accuses her of being just out of her mind a lot. Do you think that Elsa really believes Ethel to be mad? Or is she just playing no. mind games with her? She's playing mind games with her. She's trying to talk her. She's she's trying to, uh, to quote Jules from Pulp Fiction, talk her ass out of that pit. But when you think about it, what has El- Elsa really done? Like, yeah. sure, she tried to get rid of the twins, but she didn't try to kill them. She just tried to sell them off. And it seemed like a consensual thing as far as Kathy Bates is concerned. Exactly. Nah, I mean, you're right. It does seem a little extreme. But again, I felt like Kathy Bates did a good enough job selling selling that, that combined with her despair and, you know, all the shit's been going on with, with Jimmy and Dell, that maybe she is just over it. She's at a very low point. She didn't need that much of a, a nudge. Yeah. And also, I thought it was good. They kind of lampshaded that because Ethel's like, you know, all implying for a long time that she's had this dread in her stomach about being with Elsa. Yeah. When And she's like, I shouldn't feel that way about my best friend. I never knew why, and now I do. So maybe this is something that's been building as Elsa's gotten more and more deranged in her chasing glory, that this has been something that's building in her mind. Oh, is that what that feeling is inside of my stomach? <laughs> I better get what it getting's good, baby. <laughs> Uh, so Maggie is just bawling her eyes out and Jimmy goes over there and is like, what's wrong? She's like, I was out in the woods picking flowers for my petite, but there was a car and it's your mom. She's dead. I've come to the conclusion that Emma Roberts is just not a good actress. Well, here's the thing. In both of these scenes, both of them are playing what I interpret to be bad actresses. Right. Like you compare, you compare Jessica Lange's performance when she's mourning Ma Petite and this, where she's just over the top. Why? Yeah. Oh, where she's my a good God. A- well, she's and- a good actress pretending to be a bad actress, pretending to be a good actress. It's so meta. Right. Know, Emma Roberts. She just skips the middleman. Yeah. And just stays bad actress. A bad actress pretending to be a bad actress. She just stops trying at all in this scene <laughs> where she's crying with Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's, it's kind of funny in this dark way because they go over there. And it's like, oh, my God, where's her head? And then... Uh, Russell Edgerton's like, my God, look at this bloody chain. It must have popped her head clean off. And then they have a flashback for us slow folk to see that he was in on, you know, setting all this up, which implies that Maggie's setting this up, which really calls into question what her feelings for Jimmy really are. Like, what kind of psychopath is she? Or the reason why she would interrupt the girls' murder club. Oh, we'll get, yeah. We'll get Keep there. in mind all of these questions about her goddamn sense of morality and conscience and then <laughs> and here's remember the... it when we get to the boiling pitch part. And here's the thing about her story. It would have been more believable if she said she just walked upon it and not she witnessed a car crash. Yeah, there's so many inconsistencies because it's in like the story. She had to have seen Ethel alive in the car sitting there. Putting the first. chain around her neck. Yes. Flooring it. Yes. You know, it's like not all of a sudden I looked and there was a car and oh my god, there's a dead person inside. In the middle of ugh, you know, uh, ugh, God. Uh but anyway, Russell Edgington, uh, in the flashback, uh Elsa Mars tries to tell him that uh, a whole bunch of shit about why and the who and that self protect and he's like, That's horse shit. You're just trying to you're doing this for yourself. Oh, and she wants to know why you're helping me. It's because that's what managers do in Hollywood. We just murder folk. <laughs> We're basically like mafia consigliaries. It is how it worked in the 50s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've seen The Godfather. Um, I love it. I love it when people wear murdering people clothes. <laughs> what do you mean? She's got the headdress oh, and right. the sunglasses and she's all black and she's got the gloves. Sure, sure. I really need a good murdering people outfit. But it's so funny because he's like telling her, he's like, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to win an Oscar 
And I'm thinking she's so easy to manipulate because she is. But then they cut to her doing that over the top acting. Yeah, and you you can see the look mm-hmm. on his face. He's nodding like, yeah, oh, she's actually a pretty good actress. <laughs> and Maggie, man, again, she's like some kind of psychopath. I swear to God. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Mama Dandy comes home, presumably from the couch and the psychoanalysis. <laughs> And uh, she goes to the door and she's got some stuff for Dandy. God only knows what is in all those wrapped up packages. But he says, mother, look who came for a visit. Guess who? It's Regina. And she's been peppering him with questions all day. And he informed her that his mom was the last to talk to her and she should direct all that questions to her. Her his mother lies poorly about sending Dora off on a squash fetching expedition. And oh, by the way, wife sent you several counties over, maybe even a state. I didn't really look up where you had to go for i mean a hurricane apparently ruined the squashes for the upper uh, class palate yes and i'm assuming that you'd have to go several hundred miles to yeah, escape you, the you swath can't of hurricane. possibly get a squash anywhere near there i mean it's They're just too dangerous yeah um and and since you're going over to the land of the awesome squash i also have some candel- candelabras uh, they're being cleaned and repaired. So pick those up too. God only knows how long it'll take her to run that uh, those errands. And who knows when she'll be back. And Regina says, I'll wait. And also it's my turn. And she's playing shoots and ladders with J- Dandy. That's not a joke. That actually happened in the show. <laughs> what the fuck? Like I get that Dandy would do something like that. Play shoots and ladders. Because he doesn't know how to act around people. But are we, are we going to find out that uh, Regina here... Is just just as crazy that she she's going to be able to go toe to toe with Dandy because she's playing shoots and ladders. She's a grown ass woman playing shoots and ladders. Like last time I played shoots and ladders with my three year old son, and I wanted to kill myself every minute. I plastered a smile on my face and got through it. It's the worst. I don't see anyone wanting to play that game. I don't know. Uh, They grew up together. They spent a lot of time together. Which I again (laughs) maybe she knows how to placate him. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't seem afraid of either one of them, which might be a fatal mistake. Yeah. We'll get to that here in a bit. Uh, Jimmy is eulogizing his mother. He says, a flat tire, a leaky faucet. These are some of the many things my mother's ass has been called. Uh, <laughs> she's famous for the dirty jokes. Why did we not get Kathy Bates telling... I didn't hear a single dirty joke. Dirty jokes I in a Baltimore accent. In a Baltimore accent? Are I you know. kidding me? Are you kidding me? We were robbed. He goes on to say, uh, she was also a woman of culture. She loved poetry. Why did we not get to see Kathy Bates recite poetry in a Baltimore accent? I saw her give birth next to an old tree. (laughs) (laughs) The one time she tried culture, the French people booed her off the fucking stage. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. La stage. La stage. She, uh... And he recites his Emily Dickinson poem uh, about being a nobody. And I'm thinking, you used to read that to your son with the freakishly deformed hands? Yeah, you got to keep your expectations in check. <laughs> I guess so. And then he, he sobs at the end, you tort nobody, ma. And he's turning the southern, uh, the southern, what would you call that? Yokel? Yeah, you, he's turning the southern yokel up to 11. <laughs> and what did you think of the blues that uh, Ryan Murphy's playing in the background? I liked it. I could have done without the words. I think when there's things going on, you need music without words. Yeah, and the words were just very on the nose. Like, here is an instance where songs with words work. Is during the scene where she walks into... What's her name? Uh, Lizard Girl? Candy Striper? The Amazing Lizard Girl? Sure. 
she astounding wa- the astounding lizard girl she walks back into the house and the and the songs playing don't dare call me daddy no yeah, more yeah that was that was pretty hot that was, was very well done but yeah uh, I, I like the music in the scene so uh everybody leaves except for the women and desiree whips them all up into a us women don't get nothing but shit in this life it's a hard knock life uh instead of kisses they get kicked, kicked, and et cetera, et cetera. Instead of treated, they get tricked. Exactly. And thus, though, a women's murder club is born. <laughs> I thought it was pretty awesome. I think this is Oprah's great ancestor. Like, I felt like Angela... Wait, she can't be that old. Angela Bassett's <laughs> been kind of criminally underused in this season, but they got good use over here. Yeah. They also turned Angela Bassett's sass up to 11. <laughs> Angela Sassett, would Angela you say? Angela Sassett. I would. I would say that. Uh... So they're saying, why say no more? Because this lizard girl is a freak like us. Uh, we didn't accept her after we all gang raped her. <laughs> but now she's got a facial tattoo. She's one of us. This man that did this to you needs to pay. And they all pick up a single piece of clot of dirt and throw it on Ethel's grave and leave. And just no one's going to bury Ethel. Well, they'll get to that in the morning. <laughs> Nobody's going to do it. Uh, there's a there's a troop of freaks and three legged dogs waiting just in the grasslands to finish a job. That's what it's they do. The crack town, <laughs> the crack team of three legged bloodhounds. <laughs> They're gonna have the B side funeral. There's <laughs> <laughs> not enough room to stand around that for the main cast and no. the crew. No, not that not that pack of dogs they had. No. Uh, so Dandy is in the doctor's office doing Rorschach tests, and he's bombing. Doesn't... Every single one looks like a blood spattering scene of violence. Don't you think that he is a little bit more self-aware than to describe his murderous impulses to other people? I don't know, because if that poor gay prostitute had the slightest bit of psycho radar, he would have ran off screaming. Well, but it I didn't. Mean, but we he's... talked about that, that that people pay people to have sex with them because they and want they to act, do weird shit. And they act weird about it, too, yeah. especially a gay man in the 50s. So, yeah, I you're right. You're right. It does seem like... It's been established that he's not stupid. No. He maybe uh, had the mind of a child, but he wouldn't describe... I mean... But but So if his mom sent him in there and says, they're going to test your genius intellect... He doesn't have a sign on his door or on the front door that says therapist or right. well, any of the books on the shelves are describing his practices. He doesn't have a license yeah. on the wall. I mean, none of that. Well, I just feel like... Well, I mean, he's he's perpetrating to be a doctor studying his intelligence... I'm just saying that maybe it's shaky, but maybe Dandy's pride and ego allowed him to think that, yeah, oh, yeah, I am brilliant. I've said as much. I'm put on this earth to do this thing, and I'm brilliant, and I'm going to answer all these things. He's gone to all the best schools, and he's never heard of a Rorschach test. Okay, that's fine. you know. um, Anyway, we learn about the the wonderful practices in Papua New Guinea where they eat all the strongest, smartest, most powerful people in the tribes. Yep. And he describes how he's going to bathe in blood later. Or eat flesh. It's kind of a minor mid, mid-show mid cliffhanger. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, mid-show? <laughs> With the episode called Bloodbath, I, I was betting on the bathing in blood, honestly. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, are we talking about this scene? Like, we don't know what's coming next. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's a shtick I like to do. Oh, okay. Uh, he comes back home and says, you lied, mother. Um, and he goes on haranguing her and she kind of reverse harangues. And then Regina comes in, puts hands on hips and says, where's my mom? She ain't buying no goddamn squash, you sons of bitches. And, uh, mommy dandy said, well, she'll be here tomorrow. I swear. And Regina says, well, I better, she better, or I'm going to go to the cops. 
Now, after I've threatened you, I'm retiring to the presumably to bedroom. My I'm, I'm sleeping here on the premise. And mysteriously, it's the only room in the house that they replace the door with just a curtain, and it's a see-through curtain. <laughs> and uh, then she leaves Dandy and Ma Dandy alone to conspire to kill her. As uh, I thought, Dan- I was g- she was going to pull an Ethel and just be right outside of the doorway. Right. Like, why wouldn't you? Right. I would. And she tells me, like, you better not kill me tonight or I'm going to call the cops in the morning. <laughs> um, Dandy <laughs> says something creepy. says, I know that Regina wants to send me to the electric chair. And if I go, I'm bringing you to sit on my lap. And then he plugs in a hellish red Christmas tree that's red as the devil's prick. It's a nightmare. You're putting putting off putting you off Christmas is is a understatement. Yeah, and except for I'm totally not put off at Christmas. He says that he demands Regina's head in exchange for his own. He's going to a therapist for a month. Yeah, which twice a week. That's not enough to do it. Not enough to do it, man. Not enough to do it. Uh, So uh, speaking of uh, hellish red, we see Elsa's devil bag. Oh, recruiting because she's at a fat camp. She's rocking serious duck face. The debutante reduction society. And she is going after a new a new recruit. Uh, yeah. Did you uh did you notice all what everyone was doing in the background as she was walking by these doorways? Uh, a few things. They seem to be like doing calisthenics and doing the jiggly leather belt vibrating <laughs> yeah. dealy. And they had a couple girls throwing up into buckets. Get the fuck out. Yeah, like right in front of the doorway. Don't you think you'd do that in a more private place? <laughs> They're teaching him to purge. Wow. It's for beauty and health. Oh, well, as long as it's for health in there, too. Obviously. You want a man. <laughs> you, of course. And if you, you can't go into a debutante ball weighing 800 pounds. No. Um, maybe. I don't think. No one should go I to debutante balls, I shudder to think. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's like, I'm a park house princess, but I hate it. Because I'm supposed to be pretty and a debutante, and this is me, and my mom won't accept me, and my mom ran around and told everybody that I was pregnant because that's less shameful than having a fat girl as a daughter, and it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I can see. And, and Elsa comes in and basically says, "No, you're not fat. You're a hedonist, and I want to take you to a place where every one of your pa- pounds on your glorious jiggle will be cheered." And she eats a baby Ruth, and she's basically the devil. Yeah, she's she's. Waving a baby Ruth in front of this chubby girl. That baby Ruth looked good. I haven't had a baby Ruth in a long time. I think I'm going to join the freak show. Yeah. Or we should definitely hit up the uh, corner store on the way home and get baby Ruth. <laughs> Agreed. Okay. Uh, so the women, the first wives murder club, <laughs> uh, is uh, in Desiree's cabin, I think. No, they're in Dell's. I think this is so funny. that. Well, well they're both. It's their joint. Really, Desiree Desiree moved into Ethel's. So really, Desiree owns Ethel's now. I mean, isn't that how it works? Yeah, yeah. well, for sure, going (laughs) back, moving in and planning the murder there. And it's funny because Lizard Girl's like, what if he comes back early? And she goes... He's next. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So funny. And then Lizard Girl uh, says, look, I'll take it from here. I can't have you guys go down for my crimes, but it means a lot to you want to help. And Desiree says, honey, your family, we take care of our own. But after we gang rape him as an initiation. (laughs) And then she says, uh, Eve, put the soup on simmer on low flame. (laughs) And then she does this snazzy hair flip walk out the (laughs) caravan. That's right. 
then we see uh, Eve boost legless Susie up to a little half open window at uh, Papa Candy Striper's <laughs> house, and she scurries over and unlocks the door. Dad hears a noise, comes down the shotgun as "Don't you dare call me Daddy" uh, song plays in the background. It's great. It's a great choice of music. It's a good scene. And uh, he confronts his daughter, and she goes, he goes, how'd you get in here? I had to change the locks. Locks can't stop us. Me and my sisters. And then Eve comes out and says, boo, and Desiree knocks him out cold. So, anything to say about that? No. Rolling on. Jimmy is getting drunk. Er, drunker. Progressively. And Elsa comes in and says, what would your mother say? And he goes, nothing. She's dead. And then they shout at each other. She was my mother. I raised you as much as she did. And then he says, well, how could you not come to my funeral? And she's he's throwing emotional haymakers, but he's not in Kathy Bates' weight class. And it just doesn't doesn't really work for me here. He's yeah. ter- I don't like this guy as an actor. Yeah, and well, I don't think... The other thing is I don't understand why people think he's cute. He's certainly an... He's a, he's a well-enough-looking boy, but my God. He's come a very long way from where he was. Really? Yeah. In a good way or bad way? I think in a good way. Really? I think he has his moments. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate him this season. I think I've said that many times. Huh. Well, did you hate him in a season? No. I mean, think about who we played last season. What's how do you saying? how do you fuck that up? That's what I'm saying. So that's I guess that's why he's come a long way. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, he's kind of being a character instead of being the boyfriend. Okay. Anyway, I did. I just I think that if you're going to have a scene like this with Elsa Mars, you need to bring a little bit more to the table. But regardless, he says, how could you not be at my mom's funeral? She goes, I was down in Barbara McCre- or down in Barbara. <laughs> down in Barbara getting Miami'd. Uh, I was down in Miami recruiting, and she introduces him to Barbara, who she's uh, giving him the stage name of Ima Wiggles, which, <laughs> the hell? The hell. Uh, the Wiggles are huge nowadays, though. Yeah. Mostly in the, like, two- to four-year-old crowd. <laughs> but maybe she's ahead of the curve on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's played by a girl named Missy Katz. Nope. Close. What is it? Not at all. It's Chrissy Metz. <laughs> oh, Chrissy Metz. I got the I got the initials confused. Oh, you just wrote initials. Chris Yeah, I thought I'd remember. Oh, <laughs> Chrissy Metz. <laughs> uh, okay, Chrissy Metz. And she, she's a, a plus size actress who's cast in this role, but interestingly. They put her in a fat suit. Yeah, I mean, I I could tell because her like front is just way too big. Like from her arms are you know really I yeah her like arms are significant. That's about like an eight hundred pound person should be. I'm They're... just saying I could tell from her arms and I could tell from her jawline. Huh. But no, an eight hundred pound person they they carry it other places than just their tits and their stomach. Eh, I don't know. I mean, I, I worked with a dude that was like six hundred seventy five pounds. And so they can, I mean, when you, when you get to that stage of weight, your body does really weird things with it sometimes. So I didn't, I, I was trying to figure out whether that, and I thought it's like, is it a del- delicate question to ask that on the show, whether uh, a heavy girl's wearing a fat suit? Like, is that somehow, in, but she's like in all her interviews, that's the first thing they're talking about. Yeah. And apparently she had a lot of fun with it. She was, there's uh a video of her and six other cast members twerking, <laughs> which almost makes me want to buy the DVD for season four. Yeah. You should uh, well ask Melissa McCarthy. Mm. Apparently, she started her own, um, what do you call it? She, mm-hmm. are, she started her own clothing line mm-hmm. because she was going to the Oscars one year and none of the designers made plus size clothing. 
That's horseshit. Yeah. Like really, you won't make it. You won't make a dress. Yeah. For Miss Picard, that's ridiculous. Yeah. My hey, God. Yeah. Well, you know, if they can turn their nose up at Kanye West's mistress, they can do it to anybody. <laughs> Jesus. Um, move. I, he rapped about it, man. I only assume it's a true story. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Uh, I actually thought the scene was really funny because J- Jimmy plays a kind of convincing drunk. I, we talked about this last week too, and he says, "Guess what." Missy, your or Chrissy, you're late. This party's over. This world's dying, and all the fat girls and lizard ladies in the world ain't going to change that. Which I don't know why, but that line made me laugh out loud. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Elsa Mara starts to tell him off, and but then when he storms off, she goes, "Wait, wait! Look at this woman's ample bosoms. Think how much comfort you could take in those on nights when you would take comfort from your mother's embrace." And you and I were both like that sick as Jibby's like, you're yeah. sick. Also. <laughs> yeah. uh, what the fuck was she thinking? But apparently it worked. She planted that crazy seed in his head and incepted at the end of the episode. Her timing was weird for me. Why she would go immediately. Like as soon as she left, or as soon as she killed Ethel and planned her murder, it's like she jetted off to Miami trying to replace Ethel. Yeah. Are we see? Are we supposed to see that that's... It's the whole package, the timing of that, the inappropriate suggestion about the woman's bosoms. I don't know. But I think and everybody, and everybody's Barbara being sleeping? a dick to Jimmy this episode, honestly. Yeah. They're like, your mom died last night. Get over it. I thought, yeah, you know, what was the other one we we're talking about? It's ridiculous. Oh, we've been talking about on the on The Walking Dead, Tyrese. Yeah. You know, he went off this tirade that lasted a whole fucking season when his girlfriend died. His sister's boyfriend dies the next day. He's like, you got to let this go. (laughs) But uh, yeah, a little bit of that going on with Jimmy. Uh, Candy Striper's dad is now back at the freak show and he's restrained uh, nearly naked, just except for his boxers, uh, to a chair. And they're going to tar and feather him because what he did to his girl was chicken shit and he's going to look the part. (laughs) Tarring, feathering, I don't know... If historically that is like a death sentence, because it seems like you... I feel like it is. Yeah, you... And it was. They're not going to die right away, but it's going to be extremely painful, and those are going to cause third degree... I I feel like bubbling pitch causes third degree burns on contact. But maybe, maybe it wasn't. But regardless, Desiree's method was going to be to tar and feather him, cut off his pecker, shooting him in the head, and then feeding him to alligators, which I'm pretty sure all that would kill you. Well, at least some of that. <laughs> so he starts protesting, and then his daughter, uh, the lizard girl, formerly Cam- Candy Striper, says, no, no, wait. And you think, oh, change of heart. But then she gets this uh, lizardly smile on her face and says, let me. And you hear this distant screaming. Uh, we're outside or somewhere in the camp, and Maggie hears it and comes running to the quote-unquote rescue. And this is all horseshit. Yeah. This scene is horseshit. All the people we've seen die that don't deserve to die in this season, this motherfucker deserves to die. Yeah. And I'm going to just quote Desiree. The pretty non-freak white girl comes in and tells all the freaks and minorities to harsh their shit. Yeah, how you should be responding to the world's injustices upon you. What the fuck? And it worked? Are you kidding me? What the fuck? Uh, I was extremely disappointed. Yeah. And the outcome of the scene is he going? Did you look up? Is he on fact going to die? Because I no, felt like it was you were just, researching. It was mostly just used as a form of humiliation. It looks like, I mean, in some extreme cases, it was 
fatal, but I guess just from the waist down, they didn't really do it over on their head. So it's just like uh, just the torso and right. it was but, pretty devastating, but it wasn't, I mean, maybe it didn't go. So it didn't, but the way it seemed like these, because when Eve was holding his face, when she tore it away at the end, yeah. it actually peeled skin off. I mean, that's a deep yeah, that's that's muscle s- tissue burn. You're going to die. But you this think is, so? this is a freak. I don't know. This is freak show. Do you think this guy will make it to the freak show as a re- direct result of this? Uh, that would be an interesting thing no, for him. There's no way he can coexist. Mm. Oh, and I guess, well, I don't know what they were using in the 50s, but I guess a lot of times they use pine tar, which had a very low boiling melting point, so it wasn't uh, that hot. So it's like getting like candle wax dripped on you. Yeah. If you are if you get kinky like that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Um, what? But So let's break this down. Her argument is, if you do this murder... It's going to change you because you will get caught by the police probably, and then you'll ruin your life. And what about Paul? You're going to give all that up to him. You're not going to have any chances left in life. And I'm like, ha ha, you poor little girl. Don't you know you can murder people with impunity on this show and face no consequences As whatsoever? Has she been guilty of that herself? Yes. Or at least ex- ex- Almost murder, and she's conspiring to murder these people, and she's still like, and she will continue to do so. Yeah, and as these people are showing up missing and dead, she's in on a lot, some of this stuff. I mean, I just feel like, yeah, it's this, and that was the extra cherry on the hypocrisy Sunday, and her trying to talk Jimmy out of mourning his mother, who she was also implicit in the death of. Right, Jesus, right. It's. I feel like it's supposed to be her own guilt for these things driving her to make people not do the things she did. But yeah, I'm. I'm just not buying I'm it out of her. Really, and I don't know. This could be intentional. In which case, Bravo Murphy. I'm really hating Maggie. Yeah, I don't like her. Yeah, I don't like her character. I like it better when she's playing a bitch. Yeah, well, she's still playing a bitch. She just doesn't. She's not on the same page. Uh, I don't think she's playing a bitch. Really? She's playing. She's their murder, murder freaks. Like, I'm not saying personality type. I'm just saying a, But it seems a nasty like woman. from the beginning she's been trying. I don't know. I would love to see how she got herself into the, that relationship with Russell Edgington where she feels like she owes him all these bodies. Yeah. Like, what also, is he doing for her? If really? she genuinely loves Jimmy, which I would have said is, of course, before this episode, how can you be an accessory to the cover-up of his mother's murder I know. And say nothing about that. From the time you got in, you fell in love and you moved into his trailer. You should have been like, I'm out. She's a terrible person. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so the candy striper takes stock of the situation. She goes to her father and says, for some reason, which I found also darkly humorous, I am the astounding lizard girl and you get to live only because I say so. But you come around here no more and I'll kill you. And then Eve rips the skin off of her father's face because she was holding his head with, like, dish. Uh, I hope dish gloves. I hope she's wearing gloves. They're oven mitts. Oven mitts. Like. Gotcha. Yeah. Even better. Uh, so we go back to the dandy's house, and he's got his satanic Christmas tree lit up in his playroom. And we see his mom talking on the phone to the doctor and said, we're leaving the country. Uh, we're not doing the whole pursuing my son's craziness cure anymore. We're just getting out of here. And the dandy walks in. And overhears her saying a bunch of stuff about him, like him being fragile. Why is he taking? Why is she taking this phone call in his playroom? <laughs> you know. Yeah, doesn't she have like a bedroom that she can lock, like a panic room she can go to? <laughs> she also has a room with only the curtains. But uh, <laughs> and then he explains how Dora told him everything about her 
fucking her cousin. I don't know about his father. Which I think that's hilarious because I like Dora. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that he was such a shit that he she threw <laughs> this long suffering Dora threw this into a five year old boy's face. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, your mother's a cousin fucker, and you's crazy. And, what and you know, what I think is really incredible uh-huh. is that Dandy was able to hold on to this information for so long. Well, that's but something why? you don't forget. In the past couple episodes, they were talking, or she told him openly about how inbreeding was an important part of the family. Why well, is now this so he's, shocking? Now he's saying, but this that's not an important part. This isn't an upper class thing. This is a you being desperate and broke and afraid to accept a lower station in life so you marry but my, my thing is when i heard this i'm like wait a second and i'm not i'm not pro cousin no. fucking yeah no but i wanted to say that i believe it's legal in every state in the union to marry your second cousin and it's even sometimes legal i think if sometimes you have to take a test or something but you can actually marry your cousin so like it didn't seem especially scandalous upper class or no like it's not something you would say on a job interview mm-hmm. or like at a class reunion. Oh, by the way, I'm married. He's quite the catch. Yes, he's my second second cousin. Picked him up at the family reunion. But it's not something that would necessarily cause craziness or genetic abnormalities. So second, Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not, second to... cousins share a great grandparent. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand how that would lead to. I feel like I've probably got <laughs> second cousins out in the world that I've never met. Yeah, no, I agree. You know what I mean? It's like I, like it would be very easy to accidentally fuck a second cousin. <laughs> just Jesus, I don't know about this conversation. Um, I'm just saying that I felt like it's a little. I, I just overblown. don't think it's a strong enough blood, you know, connection to uh, create all these genetic abnormalities and defects that they're implying are yeah, happening. Like right. his murderous impulses. Like I think is what they're getting at. Yeah, and his father. It murdered some little girls. Had some little girl murdering rings. So why couldn't you just say that, oh, Matt, you know, Matt, our family line is great, but it's like a Tar- Targaryen thing. You know, every time a dandy's born, the gods flip the coin and it, you know, uh, lands brilliant or crazy and uh, doesn't stand on the edge all that often. Anyway, he's like, I'm not going to Europe because I can't be with a woman who hates me this much. She's like, and... that's fine because I only bought one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> But she says, you were the love of my life, uh, but uh, and I loved all of you, even the madness, but I've got no more love to give. You got me tapped out. And he says, all right, then I'm going to blow my brains out. And he, he brings out a, an exquisite silver gun, puts it to his head. You get that he pulled it out of her purse when he came in the room, right? No, I did not. Yeah. he She reached in her purse for the gun. He already had it. So she was going to kill him, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Even watching it twice, I did not get that. <laughs> yeah. And but so why does she then say no? I couldn't go on if you killed him. If she you said, killed no, yourself, not like this. I don't know. I don't get it either. Kind of like plan to kill him all along. <laughs> I'm. Gonna, I know that I'm making the mistake, but I'm going to go with it anyway. It's kind of like the obligation that Timmy felt to kill Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you gotta you gotta put down this monster yourself. I guess that's true. Uh, anyway, she goes. I couldn't go on. He goes. Okay, and shoots her in the face. And I gotta say, his creepy, crying, smiling, dead inside look all at the same time is pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I'm back on Dandy being a creepy mofo. I'm pretty sure it's the ass that sold you, but I won't tell anyone. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> that is an insane ass if I've ever seen one. Uh, Maggie comes in and harangues. It's the morning. And she harangues Jimmy about, I thought you would have sobered up by now because your mother just died yesterday. Jesus. Yesterday night, no less. 
And she goes, you need to take care of business so we can get out of here. And she's like, where's my leader, my hero? This isn't him. And he's like, justifiably, look, I can't just stuff my feelings down inside. Is that what you want? Get the fuck off. And I'm like, all these things are valid. All these things are valid to say to her. Mm -hmm. And she says, "Uh, that's not what I said, which it's totally what she said. And then he says, you don't understand anything, which is totally true. Yep. She tries to wrestle the bottle from him, and then he says, you know what, fuck off, have your beautiful life somewhere else. And she says, I quote, all righty then. All righty then. Thanks for the clarity. (laughs) (laughs) I just love the all righty. Yeah. She went Flanders. She was so distraught. Yeah, it's weird. Because they didn't give her any overly 50s, you know, things to say before. Cool, (laughs) daddy-o. Yeah. That's Peachy King. Peachy Keen. Peachy Keen. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Jimmy's miserable because he just broke up with Emma Roberts. And then he sees... (laughs) They've done that a million times. Then he sees Ima Wiggles and he thinks, mmm, boobs. And goes in for the most awkward cuddle ever. Like, second day on the job, you come in and you sit down in your cubicle and you eat your bagel. And some dude comes over sobbing and just nestles up to you. What the fuck? That's an uncomfortable work experience, right? Work environment. I would. Yeah, that is. It's weird. Well, it's hell because Ethel's also the HR department. So this place is lost. Oh, Jesus. It's, 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 it's all hellish Christmas trees from here on out. <laughs> Christmas uh, is ruined. So anyway, Dandy uh, sashays across the croquet lawn. We get some dandy ass. Uh, no dandy balls. I thought we might see some. Uh, it's FX. You can't do that. Decolletage. Decolletage. Jesus. <laughs> and uh, he he then takes a bath in his mom's blood. And again, I'm back on the whole dandy's a fine creepy villain bandwagon. I don't believe at all for a second that he's that good at cleaning up blood or neatly getting it into a bathtub. And the... <sighs> or that his mom had that much blood in her body. Like it looks like you could fill a thimble. With he, that thin blue he blood. He drug that clawfoot tub into that room so he could fill it with blood. Wouldn't it be easier to carry the body into the bathroom? Jay say they've got like you know three, what's not in the they've bathroom? got three set pieces in the Mott household and you know they're using the hell out of all of them. I was gonna say, you know what's not in the bathroom? The blood red Christmas tree. <laughs> That's true. Or the croquet lawn or the croquet and to sashay across. Yeah, man, and he sashayed the shit out of it. Like you could only see his feet, but his feet so clearly communicated that he was just sashaying mm-hmm. the shit out of it he did that thing where like each foot kind of like like i want to go more you know across the center <laughs> line no me it's like their drunk driver just weaving all over the road yeah no he sashayed the shit out of that he did he did uh that's all i got for you the episode what? do you have any closing thoughts no i don't know what fx is playing at because from my latest information according to wikipedia which is where i got my other incorrect information they're <laughs> doing two more episodes really yep Shutting it down for three weeks and then coming back the second week of February. So I think that's what we're staring. We got two more episodes, then a, a nice long two, three week Christmas break, and we'll be back. But uh, sounds nice. It's weird though to come back for if you get to uh, eleven, you're going to come back for I think two episodes, maybe three. It's a weird kind of seasonal break. It seems like they'd be better off just to shut down at Thanksgiving and then come back in February. Because now it's like. We're just going to come back for a little three-episode mini-arc? Is that what's going to happen? I'm confused about what they're doing. Well, this is this was episode nine, so we got two more weeks. That's that's 10, 11. There's only 13 episodes in a season. Hell, there might only be two episodes coming back. 
That's, That's weird. Super weird. That's weird. I think they're just doing it to fuck with your January, February schedule. Do you think people would actually complain if they had a show like this on during Christmas? Is that like for, they're like trying to be weirdly sensitive to the holidays? think so like you know people've got the i mean i guess it, it kind of makes sense like i'm not i don't really want to watch american horror story on christmas eve so that means you would put that's true or, that's a good point or new year's eve so you may when did they come back the uh, oh no i'm sorry not the first week of february uh, first week of january second week of january oh okay well then that makes perfect sense yeah you're skipping those two holidays because i'm not really uh, you're right on christmas week you can't I come back really... two weeks later for the final well i guess you could but yeah. i don't know it'd be a weird break yeah and the way it works out isn't that that is actually christmas eve isn't it yeah so it's christmas eve and then new year's eve you're right that's pretty smart of them and then they come back that the seventh i believe all right still it's awkward yeah it's awkward. They need to start a little you bit should, earlier. Yeah, start two weeks earlier. Yeah, capitalize more on the Chris and the Halloween stuff. Yeah. Anyway, let's do some pimping and then get the feedback, shall Yay! we? Many ways you can support Bald Move, and we'd really appreciate your support. Uh, it's the only way we can do this. On a, it's the only way, honestly, we can do these extra shows like uh, American Horror Story because if we both had to work full time, uh, there's no <laughs> effing way I'd do this many multiple podcasts in a week. We would never eat. That's right. We can afford booze or liquor, and not both. <laughs> oh, wait. I meant food. Okay. I was going to say. We have more of the booze tonight. <laughs> that's how you always screw us over on shop. You make that false decade. We can eat, we can get booze or liquor tonight, Aaron. <laughs> Aaron. Sorry. I outed my own damn self. Oh, damn it. Which are we going to get tonight? And I was like, ah, booze or liquor. And then you always come through, come back with a shopping cart full of booze. <laughs> I'm like, next week we'll eat, finally. <laughs> um. But if you can, if if you if you care to uh, help us further our alcoholism, uh, you can do so at uh, Patreon.com/slash/BaldMove, where you can get a lot of uh, really cool things in in exchange for your money. Uh, for example, uh, for three bucks a month, you never have to hear another ad again. You get an ad-free feed where you never? can listen to our podcast and no pimping at all. Never ever. Ever never. Uh, you can also go to Subbable.com/slash/BaldMove, where you can make us do a custom podcast, or you can. Uh, talk to us on the telephone for a bit. Uh, a lot of cool personal uh, experiences you can you can get for your support there. And uh, you can also use Amazon.BaldMove.com, which I've been using the hell out of Amazon. It's Christmas. You got to. You and I, we, we fucked it up last year, and we were all dashing around week of Christmas getting our last-minute gifts. We vowed not to do that this year. We had all of our shopping done last weekend. Yep. 90% of it on Amazon. Yep. And we get, and a... if I didn't get on Amazon, it's because they didn't sell it there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we get a huge percentage of our of our revenue that way. So if you can go to Amazon.BaldMove.com, anytime you want to go to Amazon, that'll automatically redirect you, and it will fill your shopping cart. Dandy's mom blood level full <laughs> of love. Yeah, you know, and we will absorb that. We will soak in that tub, and we'll absorb all your strength. You can also support us by sending us bags of blood to bathe in. It'll keep this podcast running. Keep us young and strong. Please don't mail us biohazard. That would not be good for anybody. Um, and rate reviews on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. If you if you can't be bothered to do any of the other stuff, that would help us grow our network. So we appreciate anything you can do to help us out. Uh, let's get the feedback, shall we? We shall. Uh, Jeremy McSee, and I think it's really cool that he spelled out how to uh, say his last name. So I guess he expects me to pronounce it. Usually I don't, but he's he's inviting me to pronounce it. Don't do it. Makura. Keep the mystery alive. Damn it. <laughs> From the UK. Um, he says, hey, Cecil and Aaron. Hey. 
Uh, I got some feedback, which could be considered a spoiler, though it's purely speculation. We don't mm. consider speculation spoilers. Lucky and I'm you. trusting you to be honest that you haven't read, you're not like Ryan Murphy's best friend and haven't read his scripts. His speculation is, I was waiting or watching the scene where Ma Petit was being unveiled at the American Morbidity Museum, and I was thinking about how the show is pretty good at giving the truly bad people their just desserts with gruesome death. I think we'll see Edward Mordrake and Twisty again at the museum metting out some freak justice. How? What do you mean, how? How would they dole out justice? They'll flash forward to next Halloween, and they will approach the uh, curator of the museum. She's and no they freak. will. Isn't she, though? Not really. I don't know. Like Any, I, I mean, shit. This show. I've been saying all along. So being a murderer doesn't make you special. I've been all all along saying that when he says "pure freak," the beauty of that expression is that it can mean so many things. It can mean a pure of heart freak, like Twisty. But it hasn't. It can mean a pure, like you know, down to the core, twisted and vile freak. It can mean severe physical deformity. It can just mean a person is freakish on the inside. I don't think she is. Hmm. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, I don't. I don't know. That would be interesting, Jeremy. I. <laughs> she thinks you're full of shit, uh, Jeremy McSee. But uh, I don't know. I think we'll definitely. I mean, I've been repping the Edward and Twisty coming back bandwagon for a long time. I, it could happen that way. I mean, he I, could come back to the Morbidity Museum, reclaim Ma Petite's body because she's a pure freak. Mm, pure, and then they could kill the, the pure curate. Sense of the word. I mean, I I could understand them killing the curator, but not taking her soul. Nobody wants that. Yeah, shit. yeah, yeah. I don't think he's suggesting they're there to claim or harvest her. I just feel like that's his mo. I don't. I don't I think. Guess he, I made I don't that argument, he, but yeah. Besides the first freak show, where all the freaks in the show died, uh-huh. and that's where he was born. Right. Uh, he wasn't so I picky think, on his freaks there. Yeah, he's just, just indiscriminate slaughter. Well, I mean. A small start, a small business startup needs a little bit of True. investment. True, you need that resource and that capital. Yeah, so you better stock up while you can, because that early round of venture capital funding don't last very long. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, George S said, "I thought the episode was one of the best of the season." Um, this is actually last. This is feedback for last week. I thought this episode was one of the best of the season, highlighted by the very simple yet relatable themes of fame, jealousy, self hate, and pride. I'm glad they didn't drag out the Dandy and Tatler situation very far into the episode, and I love the passionate speech from Ethel to Jimmy in her trailer. She seemed like a woman finally defeated by the evils of the world and now dying is wondering what kind of son, whoa, what kind of world her son will have to live in without her. The show effortlessly played with our emotions regarding Jimmy and Dandy or Daddy Toledo and made me question whether or not Dell had it in him to even make, uh, even to uh, uh, kill Ma Petite. My only gripes were that Elsa didn't notice that her new agent Stanley was seemingly starving at the dinner table and ate everything, including her food and cake. He seemed to have an appetite of a man who was homeless and not of a wealthy manager to the stars. We did not pick up on that. No. I I noted that she was making kind of like a wrinkled nose expression at how wolfish she was being. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it should have been a tip-off. Like, whoa, you should be whining and dining all the time, and now you're asking for seconds? Yeah, the freak food can't be any better than the fancy fresh French restaurants you ate, eat in in Hollywood and things like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe meatloaf is on the table, He's though. the kind of man who eats caviar for breakfast, <laughs> or he should be. True, true. Oh, now I feel like a complete dumbass. Um, but George George caught that. He also said, I could have sworn Paul was dead in the last episode. Has no one still called the doctor this far to the stabbing? Uh, I think he went Wolverine on us there. 
And he goes, by the way, Russell Edgington is quickly becoming my favorite part of the show. His ruthlessness in contrast to other core characters is making him stand out as the ultimate freak. One only fitting of a Mordrake finale. I think we have speculated that Edward Mordrake will kill everyone in the cast at some point or another. Everyone's dying. Everyone. Uh, everyone's dying. I just can't. Interesting. I can't say that Edward Mordrake, Mordrake will take them all. I think Paul and Candy Striper are making it out. That's my prediction. Yeah. You, you can't almost kill Paul for three different most. episodes. Yeah, they, you're right. They're right. I like Paul's awesome. Uh, Lizard Girl uh, slash Candy Striper is now kind of... Say what you will about her tattoo. It's fucking cool. Can we call her the Candy Lizard? Do you know what she the lizard Do you know stripper? what she looks exactly like? What? One of the Koopa Troopas from the live action <gasps> Super Mario she, Brothers. She does. Every time I see it, I just oh can't see these. Uh, I just want to see in her trench coat doing that slow kind of. That's like our favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> favorite movie to uh, riff tracks. Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on. Do you have any comments on George's email? Nope. All right. Teresa B says, so how much time has passed from Meep's death when Maggie arrived? How decayed would Meep's body be at the time? I'm just wondering if Maggie knew about Meep's body, could she have dug up it and given it to Mr. Big Dick for the Morbidity Museum? Did that way read? Meep's death wouldn't be in vain for it could or would have saved Ma Petite. Just you... something to think about. Didn't you read this email last time? No. It's been a week. Maybe I did, but I'm pretty sure it would violate the laws of time and space because this got sent in the meantime. Um, it's digging up, it's digging up Meep to give him a, but, but Meep doesn't really have a freakish body. Yeah, he does. He's, does he? What's yeah. wrong with it? It's small. It's incredibly small. He's got the teeth and stuff. Oh yeah. The teeth that look just like that's the pulp. Yeah. I don't know that that brings in, like, arguably he looks like a, a, a child. And unless you like wire open her jaws so you can see his teeth all the time, I just don't see that, that moving the needle at the morbidity museum. No, he definitely looks weird. I mean, put him next to Mal Petit and you've got yourself quite a pair. If he's wearing his little feather hat, maybe. There you go. Maybe. She was wearing a dress in her bottle. Oh, that's true. That's uh -huh. true. The purple dress. Uh-huh. Uh, I think I agree that the people at the Morbidity Museum seemed a bit underwhelmed by Ma Petite, and the curator is going to demand a better freaks, a freakier freak. Uh, she also said the story about Ma Petite actress, the Ma Petite actress hating being treated like a baby, is all over the news. The morning of her death. I wonder if that's why she was killed off. Maybe she intentionally left in Dell's arms and pressed herself against his ham-like neck as a way to stop all the baby treatment. Um, it was interesting that, like, she made an interview circuit round, and she went on in great lengths again about how much she hates being treated like a baby. But then Matt Frazier, who plays Paul, was... Ma, or, uh, Ma Frazier. Matt Frazier was going around making the rounds, too, like, two weeks ago, and there, a lot of people were asking him about, like, don't you think this is exploitative freaks? And he's like, fuck, fuck no, and blasted him. Um, so I guess maybe we're wrong to be worried about what she how she's treated when she's doing an acting gig and thinking that that's somehow tacit approval of treating her like that in real life. Am I overthinking this? No, I think it's, it'd be a different story. It, well, if after the show was done airing that Jessica Lang went around saying how much she hated being treated like a German prostitute. Yeah. I mean, when true. you, when you go around directly contradicting how you're treated in a show, that it seems like you're trying to make a point. It's just scary that there's some people that think when they look at her, I know, like I said, it's, it's justifiable to understand that you want to pick her up and like, wee. Yeah. I understand why. It's just like, you know, the same way I see any dog and I'll go, Oh, 
Aww. Yeah. And then you probably pet him yeah. and you don't ask for their permission. Hell no. <laughs> because because dogs are unable to give consent. So really we shouldn't we should be hands off. It's about time we showed the species a proper respect. But but I'm saying it's like what kind of asshole would just go up to Ma Petite, a, a human being, and just treat her like a dolly? What yeah. I, it seems like I, I I know that there are people like that in the world. It seems hard to believe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even treat children like children. <laughs> I believe firmly in talking to a child like an adult. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I just explained to my seven-year-old the concept of the heat death of the universe, and he <laughs> cried for like three hours. But hey, he needs to know <laughs> all life is futile. The sooner he knows it, the sooner he can start to deal with it. You're doing the right thing. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. Uh, Oscar A uh, is fi uh, finishing up. Says, "Hey, hope this guy gets to you in time." On the last show, you talked about the dual twin performances, like in Big Fish, where they sing or monologue side by side. Oscar's nice enough to email us a clip from a movie uh, called Bronson, which I have seen and is awesome, where Tom Hardy's character does a dual monologue as a little, uh, uh, little. Sh I think it's set in prison show. Uh, it's on Netflix if you want to see that, but it's cool. He does a, a two part play. Uh, as a man and a woman by doing that whole thing. I was talking the strip search, rapid, rapid, uh, rapid turning makeup, yeah. lady makeup on one side, man makeup on the other or yeah. lack of makeup. Yeah. Have it so easy. Don't you? I know it's pretty disgusting. Uh, speaking of disgusting and depressing, this podcast is over. The podcast. The podcast is over. <laughs> if you'd like to send us more feedback, uh, do so at AHS. Alpha hotel, Sierra at bald <laughs> And uh, we'll read it. And uh, you can also follow along on our forums. Hello, we got forums now. We have live threads on that uh, that you can get in on American Horror every week and discuss our podcast and also on Facebook.com slash move. We love all you guys. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Looking forward to a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa. And uh, is, Ramadan, is Ramadan in there too? I don't know. All Near, the holidays. New Year's Eve? All the holidays. Is this, we're, we're coming back next week. Don't be wishing everyone happy holidays. I'm just, I'm, it's, it's, it's the season, man. God, I'm all ate up. Sap. I'm all, it's all a blood red Christmas tree. And it, it just, you know, as gruesome as it was, it got me into spirit. Edward Mordrick's coming for you. <laughs> He's making a Christmas exception. He's checking it twice. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you next week. Bye.